Greetings and salutations from Boss Lady Headquarters. I'm Holly Sexton. I'm a culture enthusiast and Boss Lady coaching producer for this podcast, along with Megan Stith, CEO and founder of Boss Lady Coaching. While you're listening to today's podcast, visit bethebosscoaching.com. We're a traveling podcast, so every guest is recorded at a different location. We go where successful professional women work and live. Brooke Whitlow is a boss lady, and we talked with her at her office a few weeks ago. So stick around till the end. I get really candid, and we talk about the perception of success, and things get sticky. Enjoy. I have made it my goal in life to be surrounded by people who are much more capable than I am in many ways. And today I have definitely lucked out because I'm here with two of the smartest people I know who are tech wizards and gurus and could not have asked for a better first guest than Mrs. Brooke Whitlow with Hardin County Schools. So hey Brooke. Thanks Hello. for having us, Brooke. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Brooke is somebody that I have admired from afar, I guess you could say through social media, for several years now. Uh, She is doing amazing things with technology and especially to help our kids and students here in Hardin County Schools fulfill their greatest potential and doing so many things for girls and young women. uh, Really couldn't have asked for a better first guest that is really the embodiment of what it means to be a boss lady. Well, that gives me cold chills and also makes me uncomfortable <laughs> at the same time. So, but I'm well, excited to be here. <laughs> that's that's just what it's about. <laughs> how do we, you know, it's sometimes uncomfortable to hear how other people perceive us, but it's long overdue that we get a chance to sit down together. Well, thank you. So instructional technology coordinator. Um, I don't know about you guys when you were growing up in school, but I didn't have anybody in my school system with that kind of background. So Brooke, tell me a little bit about what it is that you do on a daily basis. Um, Well, I don't really, you can't really put it down into writing, to be honest. My job description, I feel like changes every day. Um, I was sitting down with our new chief academic officer a couple of days ago, and he asked me the very same question. He said, tell me exactly what you do. And I said, well, to summarize, um, I would say that I create systems of innovation, productivity, and efficiency. So I can't even say that I work specifically with one department. Um, I've spent a lot of time this summer with HR, with our new teacher graphics that have been out on social media. Hopefully you've seen those on Facebook um, a few or 107 times uh, (laughs) because we have hired a lot of new teachers. But I just, I feel like my greatest strength in my job is to listen and find areas for growth wherever that may be and so that is sort of how my 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 daily workflow goes is okay what can I improve or what can I fix or how can I innovate this and make it better so that's kind of a summary so what did you uh, I would say do today uh, to help us understand a little bit of the kinds of projects that you're working on well I started my day this morning we have a group of teachers in our district called the HCS innovate fellowship Um, They are, we have one representative from every school and I, I discovered in my very first year um, working at the district level that I was having a hard time connecting and and building relationships with the teachers in our building. And my very first principal always told me they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and relationships are really the foundation of, of anything. And so I created the fellowship as sort of a way to help me connect um, on a deeper level in our schools. 
And so that fellowship program, like I said, it has, we've got a teacher in every building and we actually this year expanded and we have some representatives in departments. So our special special education department has um, two representatives from that. So we've got about 25 teachers and we just kicked off our year um, a couple weeks ago and we've got a training coming up in two weeks and so this morning i worked on their visioning slide deck so i really try to teach or i really try to work with them hopefully i like to think um as a business and so seth godin is one of my um, biggest influences in what I do and you know really being intentional in the way we identify our growth areas and our strengths and so starting this this new school year with these teachers I wanted them to kind of self-reflect a little bit and to vision out their work we created a mission statement and I spent the morning trying to align all of our work and our upcoming training back to that mission statement and sort of help them prepare and do a little front loading um, for our training. So that was that was the first couple hours of my day. And then um, right before right before our, our meeting today, um, I did a YouTube live episode on Kentucky Go Digital. We are we just started this last week and this was very organic. Um, a principal from I think Caverna maybe high school put on Twitter that he had a question about something specific and we all kind of chimed in several teachers tried to answer his question turned into a live YouTube episode where we um, kind of taught that specific skill that that principal was wanting and that evolved into a YouTube channel for teachers um, called Kentucky Go Digital Live so and I just filmed one of those episodes this morning so <laughs> I'm tired just hearing that. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. That was a 85 minute answer to your one no, very small question. You are fantastic. I love how much energy you have. And, uh, you know, I, I just love that there are people like you out there with this ability to bring kind of the latest and greatest in terms of trends and tools and tips, but also your coaching. And that's why, uh, you know, again, wish uh, I like to think we sat behind the scenes and plotted out everybody's strengths and, and what our guests all bring to the the table but the more I hear about you the more it's like oh my gosh this is such a perfect fit for what we're trying to do with boss lady coaching which is really helping people be more mindful and think about the big picture and really push through those barriers that are helping them or holding them back and, and keeping them from being successful whether that's in the classroom whether that's as a stay-at-home mom or a professional businesswoman uh, so really you're doing exactly uh, the things that we're preaching so that's fantastic that is, you know, it's the the episode that we filmed just a couple hours ago was with Wes Bradley. He's a principal at Thomas Nelson High School, and his our whole episode literally focused on coaching teachers and how evaluation um, often supersedes, per, you know, personal and professional growth, and how that's the opposite of the way it should be. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting here, we're talking about something totally different yet exactly the same, um, you know, from what we did just a couple hours ago. So it's really cool. Well, that is uh, just such an exciting coincidence. And I would love to hear a little bit more about the tools that you're using. I know you are all over Twitter. Uh, she has such great uh, content to share if you want to follow Brooke on Twitter. Uh, but tell us a little bit about some of the technology platforms you're using to reach people and motivate them. Well, I will say probably in 2014, 
I first created a Twitter account. Actually, you know what? It was probably a couple of years before that because it was inactive for a while. But um, I went to the National Middle School Conference in Minnesota and I saw everywhere, every session, hashtag this, hashtag that. I didn't really know what that meant. And so just kind of really started to explore Twitter and what that looked like as a as an educator using Twitter. And so that quite honestly changed the course of my career. And it's crazy to say Twitter changed my life, but it truly did. Um, I found a Kentucky Twitter chat. It was hashtag KYEdChat. And on there, I connected with James Allen, who's a library media specialist in Eminence. Um, Donnie Piercy, who's a tech integrationist in Eminence. Um, Mike Paul in Bardstown, several others. Um, Heather Worrell actually is here in E-Town. So, um, so many amazing educators were sharing um, things they were doing in their classroom. And they were, you know, it was just this big crowdsourced pile of goodness that was on the Twitter sphere. And it was very eye-opening to me. And those people that I just mentioned, actually, we connected. And we were kind of the only ones at that point talking to each other. So we sort of formed a team and created EdCamp Kentucky in 2014. And, um, you know, that was really, I would say, the, um, the biggest turning point in just connecting with other teachers across the state. We've had, um, I think, four ed camps since then um, in various locations around the state, and it just continues to grow and evolve. Um, and, and whenever I took this job here a couple of years ago, I was really into putting content on Twitter, and I wasn't getting a whole lot of action and realized that most of our people are on Facebook. And so then I turned to Facebook and started really trying to leverage um, the power of Facebook for for positivity. <laughs> you mean it's not all positive I on know. Facebook? I, I had know. no idea. Right, right. You use more of that. Right. Well, and my love language, I, and I'm really into that super nerdy fact about me, but my love language, I scored a 10, if you're familiar with this scale, in affirmation and gifts too. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> husband, if you're listening. Um, but, you know, affirmation, I think, is really powerful across the board, even if maybe that's not your love language. Um, and, and Facebook in the past year has become one of the greatest sources of sharing that affirmation and celebrating teachers and what they're doing. And, you know, I mean, we, when we get on Facebook or, or even Twitter or whatever, you know, we see sponsored ads from our hospital, maybe when they hire a new doctor or, you know, just individuals, lawyers. I see, I see Neil Atcher all the time on Facebook, you know, State Farm. And, um, and he didn't pay me to say that either. <laughs> so, um, but you know, you see all of these professionals in our community and I just felt like it was high time that we start celebrating our teachers in that same kind of, of way. So, you know, that was when we started working with HR and, and putting out some graphics to celebrate our new hires. And um, I have started working to put some stuff together for our Google certified teachers in the district and, and our fellows as well. So that's a fantastic idea. And I know it has made me stop when I'm scrolling through my newsfeed where all of a sudden you see a, f a friendly face that you didn't realize was coming on staff at uh, Hardin County Schools, but sometimes people we know, and it, it's not to say you don't want to know about that information, but sometimes when it's just a, you know a, a news article, it's so easy to miss those names, but you guys are doing such a great job putting faces and stories behind people's experiences, telling where they went to school, kind of how they got to be on the HCS team. So 
it's really smart. And as somebody that's seen it firsthand, I know people are paying attention. Well, that's great. I, you know, and it, it's again, it goes back to talking about team building. Chris Bauer, I mean, that was his vision. He's our director of HR. And when he started hiring these new teachers, you know, he, that was his story that he wanted to tell. And he is, he is one of the most brilliant minds that I've ever worked with in that he knows exactly what his weaknesses are. And he finds somebody who can, you know, be the yin to that yang. And he came to me and said, I don't know how to do this, but let's do it. And so we kind of formed a team there to, to start creating those graphics. But it's just, it's really fun to work with people like Chris too, who, you know, understand and appreciate your strengths and are, are willing to kind of let you fly. So. Well, and I think that brings together a, a great, one of many strengths I've seen in you is you have this ability that when people give you the green light to just go make it happen. So and sometimes how when they that? don't give me the green light, <laughs> Even sometimes better. if it's a yellow light or a red light, I still take it as a green light. Break through. So how do you do that? Where does that come from? I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, and it's not something that happened overnight, but I feel like as I've grown in confidence in, you know, what I can do and my, my own strengths that I bring to the table, I just don't really take no for an answer. I come from a, a long line of strong women in my family too. And I think just kind of growing up and watching them, um, you know, take the lead and be bold. And I am, I, you said, you said it earlier, surrounding yourself with, you know, people that you want to be like, and that is kind of what I've done with, with our fellowship and with my close friends. And, you know, I just, I try to, to learn and grow from them as well. I mean, I don't know, that's probably a terrible answer, but. No, (laughs) that makes perfect sense. And definitely uh, the confidence that you have as much as we definitely preach it and try to reinforce the importance of that. We know so many women struggle with, trying to feel like an authority or um, I think that question of at what point do I you know position myself as an expert when you've got to just go out there and get some experience and fake it till you make it right (laughs) yeah so we're always preaching that but you're 10 steps ahead in already doing that so I would love to hear a little bit about kind of backing up now from some of the things you're working on how you got there what was the track that led you in this direction well, I am born and raised in Hodgenville, Kentucky, and if you know anything about Hodgenville, you know we love our Abraham Lincoln. Um, <laughs> when I go to Illinois and do, do trainings, I always tell them, I said, Abraham Lincoln does not belong to you, Illinois. He belongs to Hodgenville, Kentucky. Um, and so history has always been a huge part of my background and culture, and, you know, I was in Little Miss Sarah contest growing up. I mean, it's just, it's just been a bit, it's always fascinated me. I I went to Western um, Kentucky University. I got my degree in um, middle school social studies and language arts, but I sometimes I just forget about that because that was, you know, I don't have a passion for that. So sometimes I just don't even talk about it. But, <laughs> um, but social studies, I got a job my first year teaching at James T. Alton, and I taught eighth grade social studies. I worked with the Teaching American History Grant, which allowed me to travel all over during the summer with a team of experts in that particular part of United States history. So we've been to Gettysburg and Antietam and Colonial Williamsburg and all kinds of really amazing places learning from experts. It's just, I never imagined having another passion like I did with history. And 
I, at the time, I would, had just had a baby, and I was traveling about 45 minutes back and forth. You know, I, I, we didn't have any plans to move or relocate, and I wanted to be a little bit closer to him, and so I moved to East Harden, which is in our south end of the district, and a lot closer to where I live, and kind of had to take what was available, which was geography. And I was not as excited or as passionate about geography. And for me, I am an ENFP. And I mean, I I have to have a sense of purpose in what I'm doing. And just going teaching content out of a book was not me. And it was never me, not even, you know, when I was in college. And so I wrote a grant at that point um, for five iPods. And this was pretty cutting edge at the time, okay? Um, I wrote a grant, got five iPods in my classroom, and we started integrating technology into with these little teen, it's so ridiculous now looking back on it, you know, the size of a little tiny phone screen doing like actual classwork. I mean, but we did, buddy. We had groups working on those little tiny iPods. We were doing voice threads. I was going to Western to get my master's with an instructional technology endorsement. So all of that kind of played in together. And then, you know, um, I decided five iPods was not enough for me. So I wrote another grant for a class set of iPads. And that was, I think, 2012 or 13. I integrated those iPads into my classroom. My principal said, oh, you did such a good job with that, which, by the way, I did not feel like I did. I cried more times than I cared to admit in front of that iPad cart. Um, and he said, we would like for you to take over technology education, which it was an elective class, kind of, I guess. Um, the kids, every kid in the building rotated in and out of my classroom um, in nine-week rotation. So I had all 800 kids um, at least one time a year. And when I walked into that classroom, I was given no curriculum. I was given no objectives. I had no instruction whatsoever on what exactly I needed to teach those kids. So naturally, to me, I asked the kids, what do you want to learn? <laughs> and that is when they really started to push me into STEM education, um, computer science, engineering. Um, some of those kind of topics is really when I started to learn and grow in that area because that was what the kids wanted to do. They wanted to know how to make a video game and they wanted to know how to fix their own computer if it was broken. Um, and they, you know, Robert Sego, he's now at the Gatton Academy. Um, he is literally the driving force um, that pushed me into STEM fields. So he's very special to me. He's a junior there at, at Gatton Academy. Um, he's he his whole family is is just pivotal in my sort of story to um, where I am now. And so I did that for three years. And then our chief academic officer, he's now the superintendent in Franklin County. Um, he hired me for the instructional technology coordinator job. So. And you have done some amazing things, not just with STEM, but in encouraging young women and girls to get into STEM, uh, which is, remind me and our listeners what STEM actually stands for. Science, technology, engineering, and math. And is that something that you saw a need to promote to young women? Yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I When I was in, when I was teaching at East there it, for those three years that I was in tech ed, and starting to explore, you know, what that looked like for me as a tech ed teacher incorporating STEM um, into my classroom, 
I immediately noticed a huge gap in the way my girl students talked um, during those lessons versus the way my girl students talked. Um, the boys would dive right in. I I'll never forget, I did a lesson. We were, we were just getting started with just basic computer hardware. Now, this sounds ridiculous when, you know, when I say this out loud now, but, you know, their very first activity, um, I unplugged all the, the individual pieces of, of all the computers in our lab. So their mouse, their keyboard, their monitor, all of it. I unplugged all of it and they had to connect it back together and make it work. And um, it was very simple. And during that initial activity, the boys did not ask questions. They dove right into it. They were they were plugging and unplugging and, and testing, and it was just a natural thing to them to explore um, and play, really. And then the girls were doubting. They were second-guessing themselves. They were asking other people for help. Should I plug this in here? Should I not plug this? It was just a whole different um, you know, pr brain processing that they were going through during that initial activity. And it got worse the, the more we got into it. So when they're actually writing code and they're, you know, they're doing things, just the conversations, their inner di dialogue, you can see how, um, how different it is. And so that was kind of my first light bulb moment to realize that we needed to provide more opportunities to facilitate their confidence um, in STEM in general. Um, you know, I, I know not every person is gonna be an engineer or a computer scientist, but the thing is with kids in this era, you know, they are our digital natives and they consume so much technology. They need to not just be consumers, they need to be creators and they at least need to have a foundational understanding of you know, what that means if their website's broken or, you know, if their computer doesn't work. We need to facilitate an opportunity for them to be able to figure that stuff out. 